We don't make much money Let's come as no surprise We got trouble for us So we wouldn't have to spend much tonight Welcome into this Saturday edition. I'm excited for this one. We brought another conversation going. But I brought an attorney slash author. His name is Mark Shaw. His website is markshawbooks.com. Take a look. Take a listen. Also, purchase some if you're actually interested. He wrote a couple different books. They're different. They're out there. Like I said, he was an attorney first. Now he's an author. He actually wrote a book, How to Become a Published Author. Kind of gives you the idea of how to write a book and how to actually get it published. Wrote a biography on Larry Bird the court case for Mike Tyson and why he was wronged. He wrote a biography on Melvin Belli. If you don't know who Melvin Belli is, he's one of the most famous attorneys of all time. He was the attorney for Jack Ruby in the JFK assassination. Also was contacted by the real and fake Zodiac in the 70s over in San Francisco. Uh, He also wrote a book about the Kennedy family before Robert and John were both in power. It was about their father. And then he wrote a two books about Dorothy Kilgallen. If you don't know who she is, we will be talking about her. That is a whole center point of this conversation. She is a author slash reporter. The first book is Reporter uh, Who Knew Too Much. The second one is Denial of Justice. Dorothy Kilgallen knew, uh, knew a little too much, according to Mark Shaw. She was in the uh, courtroom during Jack Ruby's court case she had she was writing a book about it like i said we'll get into it a little bit later but the reason i brought mark shaw on is i'm a huge fan of jfk assassination conspiracy as you know it and he took a different outlook on it he goes on to admit that as well he's a he's an attorney that's what they do they kind of take they see something they look at it and they try to find a different angle that can actually connect the dots and he actually has some evidence and some thoughts of why this actually works out and why this actually could totally be true if you're interested in the books, they're both on his website. They're both on Amazon. Go look them up. Once again, The Reporter Who Knew Too Much and Denial of Justice. It was interesting. It was different. It was something I really wasn't expecting. But like I said, I had my own JFK assassination kind of conspiracy of thought and theory. You'll hear that towards the end. But you'll hear his whole spiel, uh, an idea of the, as he calls it, the plot to kill the president. It's not a conspiracy theory. He calls it a plot to kill the president. So without further ado, not dur, without further ado, here you go. Here's a conversation with me and Mark about the JFK assassination. So welcome into this Saturday edition of a guy's dog in sports this is a fun, exciting edition. I've always, I've always had a very big interest in the JFK assassination. I've always thought there was more to it than just uh, him getting shot. And then it's ABC. It's all done. So uh, today I'm excited to bring on, I have alongside me, Mark Shaw. So Mark, why don't you give the people a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you, Sergio, uh, for having me on the program. Um, well, it's been quite an adventure, frankly. Uh, I'm a former criminal defense lawyer uh, who handled mostly high-profile murder cases in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And then I matriculated into the television area uh, uh, by uh, covering uh, you know, uh, high-profile trials, including the Mike Tyson trial, uh, Kobe Bryant, O.J. Simpson, some of those. I also appeared on a lot of different television shows, but um, in 1992, I actually wrote uh, my first book, which was about the Mike Tyson trial, because I covered that case for uh, for uh, CNN, USA Today, and ESPN, and I wrote a book called Down for the Count, because I did not agree at all with uh, what happened in that trial. I thought uh, Mike Tyson was railroaded into prison, so I had never written a book before. 
Uh, I never had any training with writing any books. And so it's kind of amazing that this latest book about Dorothy Kilgallen that we'll talk about is actually, I think, my 26th or 7th. So wow. um, I've been an author, uh, you know, through the years. Uh, also, um, obviously, uh, still involved with coverage of trials at times and things like that. But uh, for the most part, I've uh, written my books. Uh, they're mostly um, uh, contra- controversial books, uh, looking at things a little differently than anybody does. The last four uh, have been about the JFK assassination, uh, although I did write a book called Courage in the Face of Evil that was based on a Holocaust diary mm-hmm. uh, that was published in July of last year. So I, uh, I'm always interested in history, uh, and a lot of the books have to do with justice. I live in uh, California and uh, give presentations about the JFK assassination from time to time. There's a couple up on YouTube that we'll talk about, but uh, that's pretty much me, and I, uh, I write my books, and most of them, Sergio, really are stop-and-think books. I try to give people the facts and let them make up their own mind about what I'm writing. And you know, yeah, like I said, I, I did some research about your books, and I saw, did some reviews, and I definitely saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, people said it's definitely one of those things you have to read it, stop, think. Some people said they had to reread mm-hmm. some portions of the book and actually make their own uh, decisions. And some people said you took a different angle. And like you said, you're taking a different angle on certain topics or certain, um, I guess, controversial yeah. moments. And that's why I wanted to bring you on. It's awesome. Like I told you right before we started, I've never heard mm-hmm. of uh, Dorothy Kilgallen. So why don't you give the people a little and myself okay. a little bit of background about her and who she was? Sure. Well, uh, first of all, uh, like you said, my books are controversial. You can go to Amazon and you can look at the reviews and I either get one star or five stars, although most (laughs) of them are up in the four or five range because people either say it's the worst book ever written and I can't write at all, or this is a book you must buy. It's a terrific book. And of course, it's the same book and it just affects people differently, but that's okay. Yeah. So uh, I'll just give you an idea. I never knew anything about Dorothy Kilgallen, hardly at all, uh, Sergio. Mm -hmm. I had... uh, known that she was um, um, one of the main stars of a quiz show that was on in the 1950s and 60s called What's My Line? Mm -hmm. And for those who don't remember, it was kind of an intellectual quiz show. There were three um, panelists who were regularly on the program, Dorothy Kilgallen, uh, Bennett Cerf, and Arlene Francis. And then they had a celebrity guest um, panelist as well. And John Daly was the uh, was the host of the show, the moderator. And that, that program involved um, them bringing on uh, regular people who had unusual occupations. Okay. And uh, they, would, they would guess the occupation. I, I recall there was one woman who was a football writer, which was unusual at the time, or a guy who owned a wax museum, whatever it may be. Well, Dorothy Kilgallen was basically the star of that show. She was the best known of all of those on uh, What's My Line, which was on the air for more than 15 years. Every Sunday night at 1030, it was a live show in the infants of television um, produced in New York City. And so Dorothy was kind of the star there. And that's all I really knew about her. So we turn then to my uh, interest in a man, a lawyer, a famous lawyer at the time named Melvin Belli. And Melvin Belli was a bigger than life San Francisco attorney, Sergio, who was best known as the king of torts. He was a uh, personal injury lawyer who uh, was able to to garner some of the largest verdicts in history, million-dollar verdicts at the time. 
he was a, quite a flamboyant guy and, and uh, quite a gamesman in the courtroom, very well known. And uh, I had the opportunity to practice law with, uh, in Mr. Belli's building in the 1980s when I moved to the San Francisco area. Really? So I got to know him pretty well. And, and uh, for those that don't know, Belli had some very famous clients. Uh, he represented uh, Dr. Sam Shepard, uh, which is the famous murder case that became The Fugitive uh, with um, Harrison Ford in the, in the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he was... Uh, yeah, she was at the, um, um, you know, uh, Belli also was involved with um, Muhammad Ali as a client and others, the Rolling Stones. His most famous client, however, was Jack Ruby, who shot uh, Louis Harvey Oswald after President Kennedy was killed. So I knew about Mr. Belli pretty well, having been uh, in his office there, and he and I became pretty good friends. But he died in 1996. I decided to write a biography of him. He had written some books about himself, and, and it didn't look like some of that material was quite truthful. So I decided to research Belli, and I began uh, my research by uh, interviewing his uh, law partners and others who knew him. Uh, his main client at the time was Mickey Cohen, who was a gangster in L.A. I learned about his mafia affiliations, uh, Belli, and all of that. And that led me finally to two interesting uh, uh, people who knew Belli. One of them was a doctor in San Diego mm -hmm. uh, who uh, knew Belli well and told me some anecdotes about him and everything. And then he said, and by the way, uh, Belli uh, knew Dorothy Kilgallen. And I said, what? Uh, Belli was on What's My Line, the quiz show. He said, no, Mark, you don't know anything about her. <laughs> uh, not only was she the star on What's My Line, but she also was a newspaper journalist, columnist for the New York Daily, uh, uh, New York Journal American, and her column was syndicated to 200 newspapers across the country. Mm -hmm. She was a big star. The New York Post called her the most powerful female voice in America. Wow. Uh, she also had a radio show with her husband that was listened to by a million people in New York every day, and uh, Mark, she covered... Uh, many of the big trials at the time. One of them was Dr. Sam Shepard, which became the fugitive, um, uh, tele television and film. Uh, she uh, covered the Lindbergh uh, baby kidnapping case. She covered all these cases, and she covered the Jack Ruby trial. And I said, well, is that right? And, and you know, he said, Melvin Belli actually knew Dorothy. And I said, from the trial? He said, yes. And you know, Mark, it was interesting. When Dorothy Kilgallen died in 1965 under mysterious circumstances, Belli said to me, well, they'll, they've killed Dorothy. Now they'll go after Jack Ruby. They've killed Dorothy. Now they'll go after Jack Ruby without saying who they was. Mm -hmm. So Belli's affiliation with the mafia interested me, and I began to look at the JFK assassination in a way that no one had ever done based on my uh, being a, a former criminal defense lawyer, defense lawyer and looking at cases having to do with Modi. I wanted to know more about why JFK was killed. So I continued my research of Melvin Belli, but I also started to look at Joseph Kennedy, who was the patriarch of the Kennedy clan. Mm -hmm. And Joe Kennedy wanted to be president of the United States, Sergio, but he got himself in a lot of trouble because when he was ambassador to Britain, he kind of honed up to one of the most evil men in history, Adolf Hitler. Um, Kennedy was worth a lot of money, and he tried to use his, his power and influence to get close to them 
so that he could make some money based on the, the Nazi regime. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't go over too big in the United States. And so when he came back here after he fin- finished his ambassadorship, his chances of being president uh, w- were no good. So Joe, having all the money and power he did, decided, well, if I can't be president, then I'll have one of my sons be president. Well, the one he was going to use was Joe Kennedy Jr., but he died in the war. So Jack Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, was next. So he began to to promote John Kennedy. He got him elected to the registrature and then as a senator and then on the way to being president and uh, got him notoriety and things like that. And so John F. Kennedy became the nominee in 1960 against Richard Nixon. And Sergio, that's where I began to look at the assassinations differently than anybody else had ever done. And I can explain that to you if you'd like for me to. Yeah. Um, so, uh, is, so yeah, I guess I knew he ran against Nixon and eventually won. So how does Dorothy Kilgallen, okay. uh, I guess, yep. how does, how does she come okay. about with J- John F. Kennedy? Well, you'll see. Okay, go ahead. The 1960 election was very going to be very close. And Joe Kennedy knew that if they did not win, uh, Virginia, uh, West Virginia and especially Illinois, they would lose the election. Mm-hmm. Joe had a lot of contacts with the underworld from him having been a book bootlegger during Prohibition. And so he got in touch through his friend, family friend, Frank Sinatra, who had mafia connections with uh, two or three of the main uh, mafia in the country. Sam Giancana in Chicago, Carlos Marcello in New Orleans and Dallas and Santo Traficante in uh, Florida. Okay. And uh, said to um, uh, them through Sinatra, listen, we need help in Chicago. We need help in Illinois. We want you guys to help us with buying votes and doing things that you do. Well, they said they would. And in, in exchange, Joe Kennedy told them if the Kennedys got in the White House, they would uh, leave the mafia alone. That was the deal they made. So the mafia guys helped Joe win the election. And then when they got in the White House, Joe Kennedy double-crossed them, and here's how he did it. I had a witness right there when Joe Kennedy ordered JFK to appoint Bobby Kennedy attorney general. And Bobby Kennedy became attorney general and right away went after those guys, especially Giancana and Marcello. And, of course, you can't do that kind of thing. You can't double-cross those kinds of people. Uh, Bobby Kennedy deported Marcelo to Guatemala and he, uh, Marcelo finally got in the country and he kept hounding him. And as November of 1963 came along, um, Carlos Marcelo and the other mafioso had decided that something had to change to stop Bobby Kennedy and make him leave them alone. So uh, what Marcelo and the others realized that is, is if they killed uh, Bobby Kennedy, who they hated, mm-hmm. then JFK would come after them with everything that the government had. But if you kill John Kennedy, then Bobby Kennedy will be powerless. And Sergio, that's exactly what happened. Marcello and Giancana, but especially Marcello, orchestrated the JFK assassination. Okay. Bobby Kennedy was powerless, and the mafioso were never bothered again. So that was what I put in a book called The Poison Patriarch about Joe Kennedy and the 60 election, all of that. And I was done. But I could never get out of my mind. You're a curious guy, I can tell. I could never get out of my mind 
the quote that the Melvin Belli friend had told me, they've killed Dorothy, now they'll go after uh, Jack Ruby. So I started looking into Dorothy Kilgallen. Mm-hmm. And I did learn about her, what a remarkable woman she was and the various careers she had, a college dropout who became uh, the most powerful female voice in America with all that she was doing. Ernest Hemingway called her the greatest female writer in the world. So I started looking into what happened to her. And I learned that she spent 18 months investigating the JFK assassination. He was actually at the JF, uh, the Jack Ruby trial. And that Kilgallen did this because it was personal, Sergio. Mm-hmm. She knew JFK from social circles in New York City. He had been to her home. But he also um, was very kind to her son, Carrie, her youngest son, Carrie, when they went to the White House. Uh, JFK came around when they were in the library, and he made a fuss over the little boy looking at letters he'd brought from his classmates, third grade, gave him a PT-109 pin and all of that. And so Dorothy, when JFK was killed, was completely, um, you know, astounded that this could happen, sad about it. And then when Jack Ruby shot Lee Harvey Oswald, all of her instincts as an investigative reporter uh, tuned in and she decided to look into the, uh, look into the JFK assassination. Now, Dorothy Kilgallen uh, I want to make sure your readers know about a website, the report, uh, the uh, Dorothy Kilgallen story dot org, the Dorothy Kilgallen story dot org. Mm-hmm. All of the photographs, all of her columns about the JFK assassination, interviews with those who knew her best about the assassination, quotes about her. Everything is up there that's included in both of my books about her, the reporter who knew too much. And the most recent one, Denial of Justice, so they can learn more about Dorothy if they go to those sites. But what I found out was that Dorothy really, uh, when she took on uh, an assignment, uh, she went full bore. And so Dorothy Kilgallen, unlike me or any of these other so-called experts who wrote about the JFK assassination, all of these so-called authors and experts and everything, Dorothy Kilgallen was there. She was an eyewitness to history. She ended up at the Jack Ruby trial in the front row, and she witnessed all of the testimony, as we will talk about, uh, that was that was uh, paraded around by the uh, uh, sworn witnesses who were there uh, when JFK was killed and when uh, Ruby shot Lee Harvey Oswald. So I looked into that and I found out that she had uncovered interesting evidence and everything. But then Dorothy got a real break. Uh, She had known an acquaintance of Jack Ruby, and that acquaintance wanted her to tell Ruby hello. So she mentioned this to Belli and co-counsel Joe Tonahill, Mm -hmm. and uh, Ruby decided he wanted to talk to Kilgallen. I mean, she's the most famous reporter in the country at the time. So if you go to that website, you will see Joe Tonahill, the co-counsel for Ruby, tell how how the interviews took place. Dorothy is the only reporter to have interviewed uh, Ruby at trial, and uh, she wrote columns about him uh, and who he was and everything. And then she started this parade of columns over the next uh, period of time. The first one, six days after JFK was killed, it was called The Oswald File Must Not Close. Dorothy Kilgallen did not believe what J. Edgar Hoover was shouting to the world, Oswald alone, Oswald alone. She did not believe that. She thought it was ludicrous that this could happen. And so she investigated all that. And through her columns, 
she ended up um, just basically butchering that particular theory. Now, Dorothy was the only one that was doing it. Everyone else bought J. Edgar Hoover's uh, account, but Dorothy didn't. It's all in her columns and everything. And then she went one step further. When the Warren Commission report came out, Dorothy had not been interviewed for it. She was able, through a source, uh, to get a copy of the Warren Commission report before it was supposed to be released. Mm -hmm. And she went ahead and she printed that report, Sergio, on the front page of the Journal American. Well, you can imagine how astounded the president was. He wouldn't even have seen it uh, before that, uh, President Johnson. J. Edgar Hoover was in arms because he was the one who was supposed to protect the secrecy of the report. Marcello and Giancana and all of those were watching Dorothy because obviously they were involved with the uh, JFK assassination. And let me say, when I said that I look at it differently than anybody does, I always looked at it as why Bobby Kennedy wasn't killed instead of why JFK was. Why Bobby Kennedy wasn't killed instead of JFK, why JFK was. And that changes everything when you look at it uh, from uh, motive for perception and all of that. So uh, now we get to Dorothy. She's uh, exposed the um, uh, Warren Commission report. It, it shows all the uh, testimony by Ruby in there that is all mixed up and in terms of what he says and everything. And so now she's put herself in danger in terms of all those people uh, who she is uh, hoping to expose because she's writing a book for Random House about the JFK assassination. She has this thick, thick investigative file with all of this material. She's listened to the witnesses at the JF at the uh, Ruby trial, and she has all that information. So where does Dorothy go with the information and what Ruby told her? Mm-hmm. He doesn't go, she doesn't go to New York uh, to look into anything. She doesn't go to Washington, D.C. to investigate J., uh, uh, Lyndon Johnson or in Dallas. She doesn't go look into the CIA. She doesn't look into um, the Cubans or the Russians or any of those other theories that people had. She goes to New Orleans. And that's where Marcelo rules. And his empire stretches then to Dallas. And two of his underlings there, she finds out, were very close friends of uh, Ruby. In fact, the very first person to visit Ruby at jail was one of those two mobsters that were the connection between Ruby and, uh, and uh, Carlos Marcello. So she has all this information. She goes back to New York. She's writing this book for Random House. And on November, and, and she, she's uh, blabbing it to everybody. If you go uh, to the DorothyKilgallenStory.org, for instance, you will see, you will watch interviews by two of her hairdressers who talk about Dorothy saying she was gonna crack the case wide open. She was afraid for her life and her family. She bought a gun. If the wrong people know what I knew about or knew what I know about the JFK assassination, it would cost me my life. She was scared. She was worried. But she went forward anyway, and she blabbed about the fact that she was going to crack the case wide open. Mm-hmm. And what happened? On November 8, 1965, her head, hairdresser entered the apartment and uh, went to find her and get her ready for her last, uh, what's my, or get her ready for, uh, for a meeting that she had at Carrie's school. He walked into a bedroom, Sergio, where she was, found. She was lie, uh, laying on a bed and uh, she was uh, wearing a clothes she never wore to bed. 
Instead of her old socks and pajamas, she had formal wear on. She had her makeup, eyelashes, and uh, false hairpiece on, and Dorothy Kilgallen was dead. She also had a, um, a book she had read that was upside down on her lap. Her reading glasses were nowhere. Uh, nobody came to, uh, check on all of this when the, uh, when, when her body was found, the police didn't come for several, uh, hours, Mm -hmm. but when they finally did, they decided that uh, there was an empty second all bottle, which is sleeping pills on her uh, night table and quickly decided that she had died of an overdose of barbiturates, uh, perhaps combined with alcohol. And so the medical examiner did an autopsy. I was able to get that report for the first time from the National Archives, and it's in both books. And when I looked through it, and they had said it was an accidental death, I looked through it. I not only found one barbiturate, but two, okay. and later discovered that there were actually three barbiturates in Kilgallen's stomach, uh, leading to the fact that uh, there could have been no accidental death, that obviously Dorothy Kilgallen was murdered. So, in the in the uh, report, did they did they find any alcohol in her system as well? A uh, very very small amount, very okay. small amount. That really had nothing to do with her. She was not known as a had a drug habit. She didn't know uh, she wasn't known as an alcoholic. None of that was uh, had anything to do with her death. Basically, there was no question uh, that Dorothy Kilgallen was murdered. Now, what I found that's in the new book that's most interesting because Dorothy had her enemy. Mm-hmm. The, the reporter who knew too much, I should tell you, in case you don't know, became a bestseller. <laughs> and we optioned the movie rights. It's going to be a movie. Well, and the reason it, it was, so, was so popular is because it touched the emotions of people who were very upset with the fact that there was no investigation of Dorothy's death at all. Mm-hmm. And they were also ups, upset when I found Dorothy's butler's daughter, who lived in the townhouse uh, where Dorothy uh, was who told me that between the time that Dorothy Kilgallen's body was found and uh, when the police came in the afternoon, FBI agents swarmed the townhouse and confiscated her documents, papers, whatever, including, we believe, her JFK assassination investigation file, which has never been found. And so it all points to the fact that those people that Dorothy had, the reporter who knew, knew too much and denial of justice are both uh, true crime murder mystery books. So I give people the facts and I then give them the five suspects who could have uh, caused Dorothy Kilgallen to die and let, let them make up their own mind. But there's no question, Sergio, mm-hmm. that Dorothy Kilgallen is the most credible reporter to have ever covered the JFK assassination. And I want to mention a couple videotapes also to look at. I've given two presentations about uh, Dorothy and, and the JFK assassination investigation and her death. One of them, they're both up on YouTube. Okay. One is on the reporter who knew too much. Okay. And the, uh, which is uh, approaching 40,000 views. Awesome. And one about denial of justice, which has in just four or five months, almost 15,000 views. Wow. People should take a look at those because everything that I've talked about here is up there, uh, with the exception of one thing that I will tell you about today. Okay. And it's probably the most important thing that I discovered about Dorothy. Why was she so dangerous? Well, here's the reason. 
Dorothy Kilgallen was at the Jack Ruby trial and she listened to the testimony. Mm-hmm. And uh, about, uh, oh, I don't know, eight, nine months ago, a gentleman, a lawyer in Fresno, California called me and said, Mr. Shaw, I picked up and bought the um, reporter who knew too much at Barnes and Noble, and I picked it up at five and I read it by 10 o'clock. I could not put it down. And I have a gift for you. And I said, well, what's that? And he said, do you know about the Ruby trial transcripts? And I said, yes, apparently they're unavailable, and I'm not so sure that they're able to be found. He said, well, I have them, and I'm going to give them to you. And I said, really? And he said, yes, and so he did. Sergio, there were 2,000 pages. I, I, uh, you know, was able to have a hard copy. It took me almost two weeks to go through them, and what I I found out in there is the most important information about the JFK assassination in history. And I don't mean to uh, say that I'm um, uh, saying that without reason. The most important um, information about the JFK assassination in history, here's the reason why. Okay. As I read them, and they are up on the the MarkShawBooks.com website, also embedded in in the actual pages in Denial of Justice, And here's what uh, the four things that are most important. First of all, and this is the most credible information because these are eyewitnesses testifying under oath. What did they say? Well, two employees of the Dallas Morning News testify that on on the day that JFK was shot, Jack Ruby appeared in their offices, which faced Daly Plaza, where JFK was killed, Okay. at just before the time that JFK was shot. And then he joined them in looking out a window that faced Daly Plaza as the motorcade came around and watched the assassination as it took place. Jack Ruby did. That is shocking information because there's no question that he shows that Ruby know about the, knew about the assassination before it took place, proving there was a plot to kill the president. The, the second biggest uh, oh, testimony wow. that people should know about okay. is that uh, a, a, um, uh, the owner of a parking lot across the, the street from the Carousel Club testified that uh, Jack Ruby came over there the day before he shot Oswald and used the pay phone. Mm-hmm. And while he was using the pay phone, the, uh, the owner listened in and Ruby said, what time are they transferring Oswald tomorrow? And there was a pause, and then he said, and I will be there, which completely um, goes against the grain of this whole crazy story that Ruby told where he just happened to be downtown. Mm-hmm. He happened to go to the, the uh, Dallas Police Department basement. He just happened to do so when Oswald is where was there. Makes no sense. Yeah. The third and fourth pieces of evidence that are so compelling with regard to a plot to kill the president is that Ruby admitted in there uh, to uh, witnesses that he made like a reporter with a pad and pencil to get into the basement through the help of his friends at the Dallas Police Department. Wow. That is conclusive, absolutely primary source evidence, Sergio. And the reason it's important, and 
all of this, uh, my documents, the books, everything will, are going to be at the JFK Assassination Museum in Dallas uh, within a short time. And I'm pleased for that with the visitors there can see it. But the reason it's so important is it proves a plot to kill the president, but also that Dorothy Kilgallen heard and watched that testimony. This is what she knew and what she was going to put in her book that would have changed the course of history. And that's why they had to kill her. Well, um, so, uh, wow. So sorry. I'm just very uh, flabbergasted here. So yeah, because I've, I've, I've looked at the case countless times and the whole story is, you know, Jack Ruby is walking by the garage and he's like, oh, okay, I'll Never stop. Happened. Yeah. So now that you're confirming or you're, you're implying that he knew he had information or yeah, he had pre information mm-hmm. that he, when they were going to mm-hmm. remove and move Oswald to be there. Mm-hmm. So, yes. And okay. That's changed. And so, you know, you, you can string it back to Belli also with his mafia affiliations and as a personal injury lawyer who'd never tried a murder case, he ends up as Jack Ruby's uh, lawyer. Uh, he won't let Ruby testify. He uses an insanity defense. I interviewed the most, uh, the, uh, the main prosecutor for the Jack Ruby trial, Bill Alexander. He told me that all made no sense. He, in fact, told me that, you know, he, he expected Bobby Kennedy to be killed. So there's just so much material in there. But um, I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, Dorothy Kilgallen uh, was a crusader for the truth. She was a woman of integrity. So many people, I've, I've gotten more than a thousand emails from people around the world uh, about the two books and about Dorothy. And so many of them say, you know, I wish we had a reporter of integrity like uh, Dorothy today, because that's the kind of person she was. Uh, people have called her a patriot, patriarch, uh, a patriot, and she certainly was. And she had searched for the door for the truth about the JFK assassination, and that's what cost her 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 life. Uh, the The biggest thing I found interesting was, so when she was, you know, when she was found dead, that there was no like, and she was telling people, and she's shopping the book around that there was no, no, no. no. I, she wasn't shopping the book sorry. around. She already had a sorry, book publishing talk- deal. Yeah, she was sorry. She was talking about the book because she was probably excited about it. Talking about the book, yes, right, yes. right. Um, I find it very interesting and odd that like there's no, I guess, evidence or there's no, you know, no books of all the information she had to put in the book because you know as a writer you don't just you know oh, okay I'll remember that you kind of write things down correct yeah and yeah and she had a manuscript that she uh, was working on that but unfortunately. Uh, we believe that manuscript was also confiscated by the FBI when they came into the the townhouse. And so there's there's no record there. Now, people ask me, you know, why didn't she make a copy of those things? Well, back then, Sergio, you couldn't go to Tink- Kinko's. It was a typewriter uh, era. And so she may have had a carbon copy, but she kept things very close to the vest. She didn't let anybody look at the material she had. And so, as I say, unfortunately, um, that file of hers disappeared. I've tried to find it. I got the New York district attorney's office to look into her death. Uh, that didn't turn out to, to be much of an investigation. And so I'm still curious that that file may be out there. And that's one of the things that I'm still trying to find. So I guess, who would you say, who, who would you say is behind the Dorothy Kilgallen, uh, murder? Mm-hmm. Well, I, like I say, I like for people to make up their own minds. So when you go to the reporter who knew too much or denial of justice, you'll find five suspects. Okay. The first one, of course, has to be J. Edgar Hoover because he had the most to lose. He hated Dorothy Kilgallen. I uh, he hated the fact that she exposed the, the Ruby trial testimony at the Warren Commission. 
Okay. Uh, she was going to expose him that he had covered up the JFK assassination. It wasn't Oswald alone. The second is Carlos Marcello, who obviously had a motive to eliminate uh, Kilgallen because she wasn't going to expose him in her book as orchestrating the JFK assassination. Uh, the third one is kind of a surprise, and that is Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra and Dorothy Kilgallen had quite a feud. Uh, Dorothy Kilgallen wrote uh, articles about him and his mafia affiliations and called his girlfriend, um, you know, uh, bimbos and all kinds of things. In, in response, uh, uh, Sinatra said she, had, she was the chinless wonder that her looks, uh, she was an ugly woman, that um, you know, she, uh, she had a terrible figure. Uh, no one liked her. He, he really got after her, sent a fake tombstone to her office. So Yikes. Sinatra could have eliminated her because of what she said about him. The fourth, unfortunately, is Dorothy's husband, um, Richard Calmer, who was a failed Broadway producer, uh, became an alcoholic, was estranged from Dorothy, uh, during the last months of her life because Dorothy had uh, been lonely and had gotten involved in a romantic relationship. So uh, Richard found out that Dorothy was changing her will and he was probably going to cut her out of it. And so um, he had motive to kill Dorothy. And the fifth one then is a man named Ron Pataki, who was a, a Midwestern journalist who had the affair with Dorothy, whom she trusted with her JFK assassination investigation information whom she thought was leaking it to the wrong people who we have proved in the books was the last person to see her on the night of last night of her left or life and whom we believe and through uh, incriminating evidence on his part was the one who either poisoned her drink with the barbiturates at a nightclub that they went to the last night of her life or perhaps when he accompanied her back to the uh, townhouse. Mm -hmm. So those are the five suspects. And I like people uh, like for people to make up their own mind in terms of what happened and then let me know. Uh, I get emails, as I say, it's mshawin at yahoo.com, mshawin at yahoo.com. I love to hear from people and I answer every single email that comes in. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I've, I'm a big, uh, big fan of this case, uh, the JFK, JFK uh -huh. case. And then just hearing uh -huh. this is very appalling for me because I, I read the, um, the overview of the books. I, I had no idea who these uh, mobsters were until I kind of did a little sure. bit of research on them. So uh, let's go back a little bit. So you said Bobby Kennedy, he deported this Carlos Marcelo. Mm -hmm. Yes. Do you know, do you know why or remember why he deported him? Well, you have to go back a little bit before JFK became president. Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Kennedy was smart. He wanted to get JFK some, some FaceTime on television. Okay. You know, JFK was good looking, so was Bobby. So there was something called the McClellan Committee, which looked into uh, union corruption and racketeering among the mobsters. And uh, you can see photo, you can see on YouTube, uh, there's videotape of those hearings. And Marcello's there, and Giancana's there, Traficante's there, Jimmy Hoffa is there. And uh, Bobby just uh, was the counsel to the committee. He went after them all. He hated them. He wrote a book called The Enemy Within, which made fun of them made fun of the way they dressed and their lack of education and all of that. So when Bobby became attorney general, his main target was Marcello because Marcello had a billion dollar um, empire in New Orleans and Bobby wanted to make headlines. You have to remember, uh, Joe Kennedy actually thought, Sergio, mm -hmm. Jack Kennedy will be president. 
then Bobby Kennedy will be president, and then Ted Kennedy will be president. Okay. He could see the dynasty there. That was Joe's ego. Joe believed that could happen. Well, he wanted, wanted them all uh, you know, to get uh, notoriety, and so Bobby Kennedy wanted to make a name for himself when he became attorney general. He had never even tried a case in court as a lawyer, and he became attorney general. And yeah. so he wanted to make a name for himself. And how do you do that? Well, you go after the biggest kingpin, and that was Marcello. And, um, you know, he went ahead and, uh, and deported him. And then when he came back in the country, to deported him again. He charged him with racketeering. Uh, as November of 1963 came along, uh, those mobsters had to act. They had to take care and, and prevent Bobby Kennedy from coming after them anymore. So... I don't know if you get this question a lot. Uh, do people ever ask you about the JFK assassination them, uh, itself? Do they ask you what your thoughts are on that? Was it just Lee Harvey Oswald? Was it more? And you know, oh no, no, no. That that was always a crazy situation. What Marcello did was the smartest thing. He used the underlings that he had in Dallas, mm. and there were several people involved in the in the assassination itself. I think uh, Oswald could have been one of them. Uh, you know, Dorothy even found uh, more evidence of, of there being more than one person. She was able to um, get the uh, autobiography or the, uh, the paper at the time that Jesse Curry, the Dallas police chief, had written, where he admitted that the first thing he did when he heard the shots, he was in the motorcade, heard the shots, he sent his officers to the, to the overpass, not to the, um, you know, the, the book depository building. I mean, there were, there's so much uh, confusion about all of that. Uh, but, you know, uh, J. Edgar Hoover was shouting Oswald alone, Oswald alone, Oswald alone, and most everybody yep. bought it, yep. especially all of the reporters, except for Dorothy Kilgallen. And I'm glad you brought that up because I believe there's a quote that I, I read up on today when I looked it up was J. Edgar Hoover was quoted saying that the people must believe that Lee Harvey Oswald did it because I, I find yeah. J. Edgar Hoover to be a very sketchy person. So... I'll, well, I'll, good, good research on your part, because, you know, when the government released some of the documents last fall, uh, that, that was one of them was in there. It was a document that they found where he, uh, you know, basically told the attorney general, we must make the American public believe mm -hmm. that it was Oswald alone. And that's it. And that's exactly what he was trying to do. Now, you may ask yourself why. Yeah. Well, if a nut like Oswald shoots the president, okay? then, you know, the, the FBI can't be held responsible. They couldn't have prevented something like that. Mm -hmm. But if there is a, uh, you know, a, a plot to kill the president, then they should have known about that and they should have stopped it. Yep. And that's why he um, guarded so carefully the fact that it, it couldn't possibly be um, a, um, a uh, you know, anybody uh, consorting to kill the president. It had to be, um, you know, a, a conspiracy. You know, there, there are a lot of big question marks in my end. Uh, some people don't like to have the conversation. People are like, oh, just leave it. You know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, I've always had some big question marks. I mean, Lee Harvey Oswald, this is a Good fact. For you. You, you, thank you. There's a, there's, this is a fact. You can look it up. But Lee Harvey Oswald was on the FBI's list six months prior to the assassination. He did go to the FBI headquarters and I think it was a, a sit down conversation. And then he walked out like nothing ever happened. Is it like, you know, they were trying to see if he's still radical. Um, I'll give you my, well, two the, the problem with the problem with Oswald though, is uh, as Dorothy figured, he's a very confusing character. There's so yeah. many stories about him, du duplicates, you know, and all this other kind of stuff. You can never nail 
that down. And and so many people, including all of these so-called experts, have spent time on Oswald and the, you know, the silver bullet and was there a tree in the way and what was the distance and all these other kind of things. Well, Dorothy was smart enough to realize the answer wasn't Oswald. Mm-hmm. The answer was Ruby. Yep. The Ruby was in the middle of that. And that's why she went after him. And that's why her investigation is so much different um, because she decided that uh, he was the key. Uh, Ruby was the key to finding out what really happened. And it turns out it was. And, and possibly cost her her life for it. So, uh, Oh, no have, question about it. It's unfortunately, uh, I have like in the, a little bit of a, I guess, conspiracy theory. I mean, I put it in my conspiracy theory. You put it as a uh, plot to kill the president. Um, so within <laughs> a 13th month span, like I said, J. Edgar Hoover, in my opinion, is a very sketchy individual. He is. He started. He founded a program called the Co- the Co-Intel Program. So it stands for a Counterintelligence Program, where he spied on people such as John Lennon, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Uh, within a 13 month mm-hmm. span, you had the March on Washington. You had the, uh, you had a, uh, a attempted assassination on General Walker that was pinned on Oswald. There was nothing to confirm as Oswald besides his wife saying that he uh, was a radical that night. And then, mm-hmm. uh, so I always find it very interesting. And then the evidence never really matched up with me as well. The, the two mm-hmm. bullets, I believe they said three sh- bullets were shot from Lee Harvey Oswald. The one that hit the president in the head, and that's the famous shot. Yeah, the shot that goes through the back and comes out of Kennedy into uh, Go- Governor Conley's body and breaks his radius. And then there's a bullet found on the stretcher of JFK that's in pristine condition, but yet the x-rays that were missed during the um, autopsy, it was missed during the autopsy, mm-hmm. but if you go back and read, the x-rays prove it hit a bone in John F. Kennedy's neck and also broke a bone in Governor Conley's body. This is right, uh, right radius. How can a bullet who hits two bones be in perfect condition, in my, in my opinion? Um, and there's a great, great Well, you, you, can lo- you can look at all that, but just think about this. Go ahead. Deal. Look, just think about this. First of all, Dorothy Kilgallen is ignored in all of the books, mostly, that have been written about the JFK assassination. None of these people who want to do the Oswald alone theory and all this, they don't want to know. Very true. They don't want people to know about Dorothy. Now, here's the other thing. Just think of how you would have uh, approached everything in terms of what you just talked about. Okay. The bullets, all the other kinds of things that happened. If you had known about the testimony at the Jack Ruby trial about what Ruby did before he shot Oswald. If you'd have known about the fact that he watched the assassination, he said he'd be there when Oswald was there, mm-hmm. when, uh, that he snuck in as a reporter. If you had known all of that, you see, and if the American public and the world would have known all this, it completely changes everything in terms of how you look at every aspect of the JFK assassination. But everybody missed it. I missed it. Everybody missed it until recently because it, 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 you know, nobody really thought about that trial. They figured it was just, you know, all of that medical evidence about insanity and everything else. But it's the real key. It's the foundation to understanding anything really about the assassination, in my opinion. And that's absolutely true. I mean, uh, like I said, I mean, this never got this never got brought up. So when I was doing an investigation of, uh, uh, you know, of authors and books and then this came about, I said, I've never heard of her. I've never heard of this side. So that's why I wanted to bring yeah, you well, on. Most people, most people didn't that way. Yeah. Yeah. They even, thought, of, thought of her as a quiz show panelist. 
Yeah. And even when you do look her, look up anything JFK assassination, I don't think her name comes up ever until you come, came out with the book and it's a different angle, which is a right. lovely, is a great thing to do is whenever something happens, don't look at it just one or two angles. There's multiple angles to look at. Um, when it came, like you said, when it came mm-hmm. back to Lee Harvey also, I always found this interesting. I've said both things before that re- remember Lee Harvey also was, he was the main suspect during uh, General Walker, General Walker's attempted assassination that did not go through. His wife, Marina Oswald, said that Lee Harvey came home and said, oh, I'm a radical. And so that's how they pinned it on him. But when he was arrested yeah. and was, uh, they, they were convicting him of the crime of JFK, why is he kept saying, I'm a patsy, I'm a patsy, but yet his wife saying, oh, he tried to kill the general and he said he's a radical. If you're being a radical, wouldn't you kind of brag about it? You know, like, look what I did, but he was a patsy. Yeah, you, you would think you would certainly think so. But again, you know, it, here, here's the here's the difference. OK. Primary source evidence, uh, primary source uh, sources. I, I really try to not speculate in my books and people no, ought to watch that because yeah. with Oswald, the thing you the only thing you can do is somebody told somebody told somebody. And, yep. they're, yep. you know, they, they never was were able to get that that link with with Dorothy and what she found and with Ruby. You don't have to speculate because it's all right there, especially now tied together with the Ruby trial transcript. So I think that's the difference. And I would hope that your listeners uh, will go to the Dorothy Kilgallen story dot org. They'll look at the Ruby trial transcripts on Mark Shaw books. Uh, if they want to buy a reporter who knew too much or denial of justice, that's fine. Or they can get it at the library. But, you know, just take a look at this because I think it will give uh, your, your listeners a different perception of what happened. And then they can figure in everything else that they think, but they need that foundation, especially with what happened at the trial. Oh, definitely. Like I said, this is a, this is a great, you said you wanted to come at it in a different angle because of your background and you did a splendid job, a wonderful job of that. And I recommend anybody to well, look you. into this. Uh, I, I remember my sister Good. was very excited because she loves the JFK uh, conspiracies and everything. Uh-huh. She's a U.S. history teacher. So um, oh. she's very excited about this, and she never heard about this at all. So she said she cannot wait for this episode to come out. So uh, that's great. Yeah. Well, so. if she ever wants somebody to speak at her class, I, I've been enjoying that. I just spoke at a, uh, a professor at University of Alabama just had me speak uh, over the telephone to his class there. And I, I wherever I can, I, I do these presentations. As I said, people can look at the ones on YouTube, but. Um, I try to just let people know about Dorothy, let them know about uh, the material that I think is important, and then they can they can just figure that into the equation in terms of what they want to do. But at least they'll have another perception of what what happened back then. Uh, that's awesome. Like I said, my, mine was just a, com- a complete conspiracy theory. Yours was going off of you know what was you know there's there's witnesses, there's evidence to back it up. Mine, sure. like I said, I'm just going off of you know right. times and dates and uh, who I believe are the shady characters, but. Like I said, you did a splendid job. I recommend people at least well, taking an interest and in looking into it. It's a different look at it, thank and I, I really applaud you for that. Well, you're a good man, Sergio. Thank you so much, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again in the future. All right. Thank you so much for coming okay. on. And like thank I you. said, you know, I hope to have you on again anytime. All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right. You have a good one.